passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You're you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back. It's always game day in Cincinnati. Episode two, Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great, Lindsey. Uh, how are you doing? You know what? Not too bad, but I just feel like I put it out there on Twitter earlier today and I said, first podcast, Jesse Bates is back. Second podcast, there's a fight at training camp, the last day of training camp. I'm okay with this because we have plenty of content to get to. But I don't know if we're good luck or bad luck, but we have plenty to get to when it comes to that fight today. And I'm sure you watched the video. You heard what happened. Aaron Donald, some of the Bengals players, helmets involved. What do you think about that this afternoon? Oh, it's uh, I, I bet both teams are probably upset that fans are able to get video again. <laughs> because <laughs> if this happened last year, the, there would have been no video. It would have just been a few pictures and they could have downplayed the whole thing. But now that there's a video, we just know that with, all types of reactions to anything these players do. If there's a video of it, it just elicits such a bigger response. And you can think of plenty of examples of that, but I don't know. It seemed like, you know, people cared a lot about what Kareem Hunt did and then Tyreek Hill does something similar, but there's video of Kareem Hunt. So that's the big deal. Even though you hear about the other one, just seeing versus hearing is a, is a big deal. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's nice that, you know, they've got some fight to them. You know, they uh, the Bengals didn't just, you know, let anybody push them around. And I mean, apparently Lyle Collins was doing a lot of the pushing around. But uh, yeah, I my first reaction was, OK, I just hope uh, everybody's OK, was basically my reaction. I didn't have some sweeping reaction about it. I, it this happens in preseason. It's unfortunate that it happened to the Bengals, but they showed some fight. And I don't know that to me, this stuff happens. Yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with it's the last day of training camp. They have a preseason game in a couple of days. That's going to be the preseason finale. And they're ready to wrap all of this stuff up. They're ready to get to regular season. You have the team in town that you've been going against, and it's another team. You lost your ring, too. So, of course, you're going to feel a different type of way. You see photos out there, Aaron Donald. And a lot of people are like, why is he swinging that helmet? It's dangerous. But for me personally, when I think about Cincinnati and LC out there, 
You think about Joe Burrow's old offensive line. Guys coming up to bat for him. No one's going to touch the merchandise. And that guy's he isn't afraid to step in. I'm a little afraid when you see the image right now of 99 with that Bengals <laughs> helmet right now. It's a pretty crazy image. But personally, again, this is going to be something that there are reports out there. The league can't do anything always to be determined if something happens, if there's a big fine or anything like that. I don't see a suspension or anything like that happening. But when the best defensive player in the NFL is holding one of your helmets. Two. A little, a little terrifying. A little terrifying right now. Yeah, I uh, I thought of this, and I think I, I put tweeted it somewhere in a reply. But um, for those who know, <laughs> to me, he looks like a Dark Souls uh, boss enemy. Just like take the scariest thing you can think of, Aaron Donald, and then let's just give him two blunt objects to swing around. You know, I thought that was pretty frightening image. Pretty. Uh, I'm glad everybody's okay from the swing. It looked like uh, John Sheeran. Shout out. I think had a slowed down video of the one connecting and it looked like it was Cordell Volson. I'm sure he's fine because we didn't hear anything about it, but it's like, Oh my goodness. I don't think, I think I would have, <laughs> I would have hit the ground and there was an ambulance coming. If Aaron Donald hit me with a helmet, even if I was wearing one. Yeah. We'll stay with Aaron Donald right now because they had two practices. Again, fans were back there. You're able to see some of the video there of reporters at camp. What did you think about the offensive line going up against the Rams? Um, you yeah, know, it is what it is with Aaron Donald. He's going to win most of his reps. Uh, it looked to me, I thought in the clips, cause I'm not there, but in the clips, everything I've watched, it looks like Alex Kappa could hold his own a little bit, even though he's getting bull rushed, he's getting knocked back. There was the one play he gets like lifted off his feet, but he didn't get beat quick. And that allowed the center to come over and help. And I think that's a, Hey, if Quentin Spain was getting lifted off of his feet in the Super Bowl rather than beat outside, and uh, Hopkins is able to come over and give a shot to him or, you know, give him some help. We might be talking about a different ending. So I'm okay with it. I know it sucks to get bull rush. It's kind of demasculating to get lifted off your feet by somebody, but that's better than when you lose outside in the, uh, in the finesse route to me, because it just gives you, as long as you don't get knocked over onto your butt, you know, you're, you're holding yourself up. It's a loss, but it's a loss that somebody can help you. When you think of the Super Bowl, uh, a couple of things come to mind. Me personally, I think of the last couple seconds that if Joe Burrow would have had maybe one second longer, he throws the game winner to Jamar Chase for a touchdown. I think one of the things I was looking forward to in the joint practice was Jalen Ramsey against Jamar Chase. Jamar showing he can go up against the best in the league, one of the best in the league. Jalen also talked about Jamar yesterday, you know, giving him credit. Like he's one of the top receivers in the league. What did you think about that matchup just in the last couple of days of practice? Oh, I mean, it's uh, best on best. Um, I, you hear about Jalen Ramsey had a pick today, but Jamar Chase also got a deep touchdown. They're going to win. They're going to win. What Each one of them is going to win some reps. It's just this is the best versus the best. And, you know, maybe it's not the best as of this moment wide receiver and the best as of this moment cornerback, but they're in the same tier. They're both the elites of the elites. And they go against each other. You see Jamar win some reps. You see Jalen win some reps. And that's kind of what you expect when you get these type of matchups, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I thought the comment was cool because Jalen sometimes is very uh, dismissive or trash talking about some of these guys. So, uh, yeah, hearing him actually call, you know, Jamar one of the best receivers in the league. It's like, OK, you know, like he says a, either about teammates or if he really respects somebody. I think he needs to say that because he saw those highlights in the Super Bowl and, and his his self 
planted on the ground when, when Jamar got loose. So he definitely remembers what happened in that game. Speaking of wide receivers, I kind of threw this out earlier on social media, and you think about Jamar Chase. And one of the things I think Bengals fans really want to hear is that national love, the wide receiver group. Are they the best in the NFL? And I'm going to throw this at you right now. Of course, the top 100 in the NFL, some feel is a popularity contest. I think Jamar deserved to be in the top 15. But look, he's going to show a lot of people what he can do in year two. Can Jamar Chase be the best wide receiver in this league by the midway point of the season? Yeah, I don't see why not. Look, he was he had just had one of the best rookie seasons of all time. Um, you mean you've got the Devontae Adams, the Tyreek Hills, the Justin Jeffersons, uh, whoever else you want to throw in there, Stephon Diggs maybe. He's in that tier right now. So if you wanted to make the argument, especially let's say he goes off for 200 yards in a game, you want to say at this moment, I think Jamar Chase is the best receiver in the league. You could honestly say that right at this moment, even after his rookie season and probably, oh, I didn't mention Cooper Cup. Should mention him, <laughs> almost 2,000 yards. But anyway, uh, when, you, when you're when you up in that elite of the elite, I feel like you could make the argument right now, like, yeah, I think Jamar Chase is the best receiver in the league because I value whatever. It's what you value. Like, do you value the separation that a Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs can bring you? Do you value the big plays of uh, Jamar Chase or Tyreek Hill? Or do you value, like, uh, the consistency and movement skills of Justin Jefferson or Cooper Cup? You know, it, it's all just buckets to me. You know, that's those are the best of the best deep threats. Those are the best of the best at doing this, that. So if you value the explosiveness, the body control, the tracking, everything that Jamar Chase can do on those deep vertical routes, then yeah, you can make the argument he's the best receiver in the league. And especially midway point of the year, let's say he already has 800 yards or something on pace for like 1600 yards, easily can make that argument. I think some of the highlights over the last couple of weeks at training camp and really all of training camp, even without Joe Burrow, is what camp Jamar Chase is having out there. You think of last year being rookie of the year, exceeding expectations when he couldn't catch a ball in preseason. I think that was all a trick to prove everybody wrong. Like, look, I can't. Yeah, we just wait till regular season. I'm going to be fine. When you think of the connection he continues to have with Burrow, obviously it was a little odd before camp when, when Joe Zeleny has the surgery and he comes back. How does Jamar Chase exceed expectations? This, uh, well, I would think he, so the things I think of that could, that plagued him last year were, I mean, it's from the preseason, although not nearly as big of an issue, but the drops. And I think of that play against the Chargers that we could all point back to where he's open and Burrow hits him in the hands and he turns what should be what, like a 75 yard touchdown type play into an interception because he bobbled it. I mean, you can't have those. If you're going to be the best receiver in the league, he's still top five uh, in my opinion. And you could make the case for him, but for somebody like me, I'm, I'm just, I want to see him come down with that ball. I want to see him not bobble anything, just catch basically everything. He doesn't have to catch absolutely everything, obviously, but you know, just cut that down, cut it down to like three drops this season or two drops, just something like that, where it's like, Oh, those are just freakish drops and everything else is whatever, because you could make the argument that he still has a little bit of a drop concern. Um, I don't know about anything else being too much of an issue. He had an issue in the middle of the season. It felt like with some cloud stuff where they roll the safety over the top and play a corner tight underneath on him, basically a bracket, a, a zone bracket of sorts. Uh, but it felt like he kind of figured out 
some ways to both overcome that. And then also that was when T Higgins was just going nuclear for like a hundred, 150 yards every other game. So I don't know. I want to see him. Uh, I want to see him just catch more of his targets and not cause any big plays to come back because he couldn't hold on. We'll stay with wide receivers. Did you get a chance to see our final results from our poll that we put out there? Stanley Morgan, Trent Taylor. Yeah. It was very close. I I was surprised that Trent won. I don't know. I I value Stanley more, but I get it. Uh, Trent, you know, I'm I'm gonna say that it's a little bit of Trent making that big play in preseason game two, made a diving catch. If Stanley makes that catch, maybe it's 55-45 the other way. But I get it. You know, it, it's all right. <laughs> I have my people. I went Twitter world to know. I have nothing against Stanley Morgan because I hope that this guy lights it up. A special teams guy, wide receiver number four. I'm cool with Trent Taylor and Stanley Morgan, who are both going to make the roster, being that number four and a little bit number five wide receiver for them. That's not a bad thing. As I mentioned in the last episode, when you have Joe Burrow on your side and you say this guy is a leader and it makes a difference when it is Stanley Morgan, this is the guy you want on your team. You want in the offense. You want in the wide receiver room. You have T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase. You know, these guys see it. They have a brotherhood and, and they know that this guy's a difference maker, too. So it's not it's a win win situation. You get Trent Taylor and Stanley Morgan out there and hopefully they're making plays. And I think they can with Joe Burrow. we got plenty to get to because I'm so ready. I'm not going to lie. When you get to the finish line, preseason threes days away, you just want it to be over. I, I know the starters really aren't going to be up there at all. They're going to have their ball caps on at Pagor Stadium. Ready to wrap it up. We're going to be counting down as soon as they hit the first quarter for that game to wrap up and get to Steelers week for this team. But uh, we'll get to that in just a moment on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is 
is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, as I mentioned in the previous segment. Preseason game number three. Thank goodness there's only three preseason games. Everybody was really wrapped, ready to wrap up after the second one. But this one, it's the finales at Paycor Stadium. The next time fans are there, it's going to be week one against Pittsburgh. You look at this right now, the starters aren't going to be out there. I voted. I've said it before on social media. Joe Burrow should never, ever, 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 ever play in a preseason game again because he proved it in his rookie year that he can do without preseason football and nobody wants to deal with those injuries. I think when you think about the Bengals camp, they've done it a little bit differently. You've had national media media folks come in and say, that's a little strange. You know, Cincinnati's kind of laid back. They're really not going too hardcore into some of these practices. Do you find that a little bit strange as, as kind of how Zach Taylor does this? Maybe it is to avoid injuries or, or things like that at training camp. No. Uh, you know what I find really interesting though is he, he adopts that from uh, Sean McVay, who does the same thing. Doesn't play any players that you know are locked in starters in the preseason, lighter practices. But he's also part of a staff that was the opposite. If you remember Dan Campbell's tenure in Miami, who was the offensive coordinator after uh, the firing, it was uh, I believe that was Zach Taylor. So that that during that time, that was uh, Dan Campbell bringing back the Oklahoma drill <laughs> in the midseason practice. So I think Taylor's seen both and he went, no, I think I prefer the other one. Yeah. I, I personally, I tell people all the time and I say the biggest difference for this team last year, obviously exceeding expectations, surprising a lot of people, maybe a year or two before a lot of people thought that they would be AFC contenders was the injuries. They got really lucky. And that is terrifying when you think about it. We talk about the offensive line a lot. They're one injury away from what it looked like in the Super Bowl. I think Joe Burrow should have received MVP just for what he had to play with getting to the Super Bowl. Obviously, you take 70 sacks. That's not ideal. But he was able to do it. We'll stay with offensive line right now. You go into this game Saturday night. It's almost over. The Bengals and Rams, Pecor Stadium. When you look at the left guard position, if Olsen's out there, what are you looking to see? What do you want to see more of? Because he's been out in the last couple games. So when I went back and watched the second one, um, he wasn't as good as the initial impression. Not that he was terrible or anything, but just there were a few issues. And I think one is just, and this this is just an experience thing. It feels like he doesn't have the cadence of the quarterback down because you want to be locked in for that. That's one of the advantages you have as an offensive lineman. And he was not all the time, but fairly commonly like the last one getting out of his stance. So, I mean, when you're talking about the cadence, it's just what the quarterback does before it. It's like the red 18, and maybe Brandon Allen is different than what Burrow does. Maybe Burrow's like red 18 and Brandon Allen's just like red 18. You know, it's just like that little bit quicker. And uh, the other guys, they've been around this guy. So they, they, they're getting out of their stance, but maybe Volson's not, uh, he's just not dialed into it. And I mean, he hasn't played with Burrow much either. So it could be a similar cadence and he's just still not dialed in on that. So that's just an experience thing. Um, because that's what, that, that is one of your advantages. You have played with this guy, you know, this guy, you know, what he's going to call on the snap count. Plus, you know, the snap count, you know, it's on one quick two, three, not until he says a certain word, etc. So I want to see, I want to see him get out of his stance a little bit better, uh, a little bit faster timed up with all the other offensive linemen maybe a few reps. And this is what was interesting was preseason game one. He had a couple reps where he almost false started. And at first you think, Oh, he's so good out of his stance, but that also leads to me thinking more of, Oh, I don't know if he has his cadence down because he's getting out there a tiny bit too early. He could get called for that. Um, 
and Bobby Hart used to do that all the time. <laughs> I think he had oh, the case Bobby down. Hart. <laughs> You'd always see him the first one out is like, all right, Bobby, <laughs> you know, you've got one thing going for you. You've got that cadence down. But um, yeah, I want to see him get the cadence down because that was an issue where he was about the last person out. And that led to a pressure where he got beat around the outside. The other thing was he had one play he gave up that was a sack. That was a processing thing. His guy uh, was uh, right outside of him to the left. He steps out towards him. And that guy goes flying inside. He's slanting inside. And when you're an offensive lineman, somebody crosses your face like that. Pass him to the center first, obviously. But you got to, at the same time, eyes up. You're scanning for a threat. And he just hangs on it. He sees him and he kind of drives him into the center. But he never got his eyes up to see the nickel, I believe. Or maybe it was a safety blitzing through the B gap, which he's supposed to be protecting. So you don't want to see any of those slip ups. And that's Wink Martindale. So, you know, he's going to do that in a preseason game to some rookies. And that happens. You know, that's another experience thing. The only thing that I think may be slightly concerning was he in college, I thought didn't have the greatest balance because he he would get his weight off of what's called the midline. You want to always have your weight in between yourself as an offensive lineman as you're kicking out. And it felt like he was very, when he steps and lands, he gets all his weight on that foot and then it's back to the other foot and back and forth. And that just makes it hard to shift your weight quickly and take a guy inside if they go inside on you or if they're trying to beat you, they're really trying to go around you turn and go with him and also if, if they get you while you're on one foot that you know it's harder to take that type of bull rush so if he could keep his weight on the midline a little bit better and i think it's improved i give credit to frank pollard i think his kick is improved but i do think that um his he still just leans into that left right left right where he's landing on each foot and putting his weight there and that's an experience thing too he's just he's still a young guy and he's still learning his kick slide his kick step everything like that so i i want to see that improve i don't know how much it can but i really want to see the other stuff improve that work in progress and that's okay i want to see that improve probably by like week six but i want to see the other stuff improve by like Saturday. <laughs> and, and that and that's coming up. Not to back it up too much because we're not going to focus on the draft and any of those picks. But when you heard Cincinnati take him, were you were you surprised at all with the pick? Oh yeah, because I didn't watch him. I'll be honest. I, I I yeah, there's so many guys. I watched so many first round, second round guys, especially this year, because it was a late first. So it's like they could go with a safety, they could go with uh one of those tight ends started uh it was um I can't remember Trey McBride. They started rumors. Trey McBride was going to be the pick. And I was like, are you serious? I gotta go watch this guy now. <laughs> I already watched him, but I was like, I didn't watch him that much. Not like a first round pick more like uh, I'm just watching the tight ends real quick. Um, so I had no idea. They could have gone offensive line. I watched all these different guys for the first round. Then the second round I'm watching most of those guys. And I, uh, the only guy I watched before the draft that we took was uh, that uh, the Bengals took was Dax Hill. And I was like, okay, good pick. And everybody after that, I'm like, I'll watch him right after. But when I watched Volson after, I just, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was an interesting pick. I didn't think it was a bad pick. I wouldn't necessarily say they uh, hit a home run with just like watching him in college. Hope they do because, you know, that's better for the team and me as somebody trying to cover this offensive line. Uh, but I, I necessarily, I just kind of watched and I went, okay, I could see it. But I, I, I remember saying that about Carmen where I was like, ah, okay, I could see it. I feel better about this pick in the fourth than I did Carmen in the second. But yeah, when I watched him after the draft, I just thought, okay, I could see it. I, I, I'm not blown away, but I could see how this works. 
you know, I saw this actually right before we started recording and someone mentioned on social media that you have to be comfortable with Wilson. If he's going to be your left guard starter week one, you have to be com comfortable with that decision when it comes to December and January. You talk about some of the fundamentals that he needs to work on and you have a guy like Frank Pollock and other veterans on the offensive line. Do you think this stuff is going to be pretty easy to fix for an offensive lineman and adjust to early on in his rookie year? I think the first two things I mentioned, getting the cadence and the and the processing, neither one, I, I don't know. The cadence might be an easy fix. The, the processing, that is just, you're going to get hammered in the film room for that. And you just, learning experience, learning experience. Every time you miss something like that, it's just a learning experience. I won't make that same mistake again, uh, type thing. So I think both of those could be fixed. The, th the, the other one, there are guys like Colton Miller came in the league with a much worse kick slide. And uh, his didn't get fixed for like two years. Garrett Bowles had a bad one. His didn't get fixed till about two years. I wouldn't say Volson's is on their level of being bad, but I would say that seems more long-term to me than the other issues, at least getting those things up to speed versus getting that, getting him to keep his weight on the midline. Um, that's just, we'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch throughout the year. I think that, I've seen Pollock do some good stuff, both with Mackay Becton looked much better technically in New York than he did, uh, I believe he went to Louisville. And I would say last year, I thought Jonah improved a lot in terms of just the footwork and everything that's technical like that. I know there's some people out there that don't think Pollock's done a good job developing these guys. And I would point to Jonah Williams as a success because he was better last year than he was the year before. And he, every and then uh, in training camp, those videos, every year he just looks a little bit more technically sound than he did the year before. And he came in pretty, pretty, uh, pretty high floor, pretty, pretty sound in, in his own right, especially for a college guy. So I do think there's hope for it. And uh, I like Frank Pollock as a offensive line coach. So we'll see throughout the year. I think this is a good test to see, can he make these guys, these type of these late fourth round guys into starting caliber guys by mid season types. You mentioned Jonah. We're not going to get to Jonah because he's not going to take any reps on the field, but I feel like nobody talks about the season he had last year just because of all the sacks Joe Burrow took. And I think maybe we'll see that this year because it is a big year for Jonah Williams when you think about the extension with this team. But we'll stay with offensive linemen. Again, it's just the last preseason game. There are a lot of guys who are fighting for their job. Are they going to make the 53-man practice squad? What's going to happen? Maybe putting some tape on for another team. We'll stay with depth on the offensive line. Who else are you watching for on Saturday night? Oh, Deontay Smith. Uh, I liked him a lot at guard last preseason. This year, this was his first game in a while, so I'm not going to be too harsh. But he had the holding calls. You could see the power and length he can play with, which is just – not like most of the other backups. Just he, he just looks so much longer. He plays with it really well. He's a really strong player. There are plays where he would punch into Ojolari and be able to stop him in his tracks. And it was good that they played against the ones because you got to see like, is that guy just like not strong or is no? That's a, that's a I believe he was a first second round pick. He was a high pick, so he's able to play against him. He had a pretty good rookie season. Um, but the thing I noticed was I don't know if he's ever played right tackle. I know his last year at ECU, he played left tackle. Then he took a year off for COVID or he played one game, I think, and then was the rest of the year off for COVID. Put on a bunch of weight because he was thin there, went to the senior bowl, did his thing. But then last year he was taking reps, I believe, at the, at the the on the first preseason game where he did really well was at left guard. 
So I, I did see when he's at right tackle, it feels like he has practiced the first two kicks a million times. He's got the big, it's kind of old school. Not a lot of guys, not every guy does the same or Lane Johnson types do. Uh, he kind of like kicks his right foot real hard and it looks a bit like uh, you're getting on a motorcycle with the way it goes up and over. <laughs> so he kind of like gets on the motorcycle with the first one, then he kicks back a second time, but then it feels like he's not confident after that. You'll see him take his inside or post foot and move that one back, or you'll see him just kind of like bring his feet real close together. It feels like he's done the first two kicks a whole bunch trying to get ready for this right tackle opportunity. But then after that, it's just like muscle memory of playing so much left tackle starts kicking in and he kind of like, misses his feet a little bit. I want to see that improve. I thought Hakeem Adenogy played much better in this past one than he has in the uh, past few. Uh, I mean, honestly, it might've been the past few years. Uh, he was pretty good out there. Um, I don't know if Isaiah Prince will play. I think he's interesting to watch. He's pretty long and strong. And uh, that Desmond Noel guy was surprisingly good uh, last, last week. I'd like to see more of that. See if he can contend for the final roster spot on the offensive line there. And I mean, you want to see Jackson Carmen, just that's the second round pick. I mean, heck if he goes out there and he dominates, he's in my opinion, I think he still has a chance because I think Volson's going to play. They're going to want to see Volson. Maybe Volson has to not have a great game. And then Carmen lights it up and against whoever he goes against. Does that happen? I mean, if you ask me like money wise, I'd probably bet against it, but you know, I think the opportunity is there. It's not gone. If he's not the starter week one, that opportunity is probably gone. Like this is really his last shot. I think at getting a starting job on this line barring injury, it's that there's not much he can do once that starting offensive line is set in. Cause they're going to want those guys get used to each other, get the chemistry, everything like that. So I want to see Carmen, see if he can improve, see if he can show out or, does he just have another lackluster performance? We kind of write it off as, yeah, that's Carmen, and he's just relegated to being a backup this season. Yeah, I think all eyes are on that with Jackson Carmen and just the left guard position alone. I promise the second segment isn't always going to be dedicated to the offensive line. <laughs> There's so much to talk about, and when I think about the fan base, they want to talk about the left guard position and any of the backups. We'll move over to the defensive side again. Preseason finale guys just trying to make a roster, maybe in Cincinnati, maybe it's on another club. Is there any defensive questionable guys for you right now? No, I just love watching Dax Hill though. So I'll be excited if he plays. <laughs> He's flying. I, don't want him to play. I know you kind of don't want him to play, but he made that diving interception last week. I was like, oh, that is awesome. And uh I don't think Osai is gonna play much. That's another guy that's pretty exciting to watch. I guess I could you could get into the Jalen Davis, Alan George, who wins the last cornerback type spot. Um, there's a few guys on the D-line that are interesting. Can Tyler Shelvin show some promise as the big nose tackle that they drafted him to be? I don't know. You know what's really interesting, though, is uh, the punter battle. I think that's yes. the last uh, position battle there is. And my guys, the puntalytics on Twitter, some Harvard graduates that are real in the punting, they said – it's dead even. And uh, Darren, Darren Simmons, was that today? He said yes. dead even. And I'm like, all right. So it's going to come down to who does better in this game. You read my mind because my next follow-up to really wrap up this segment was let's talk punters. And Darren Simmons said it today. Obviously, Darren and Kevin Huber have been with this team for a very long time, over a decade. And he said none of that's going to be a factor when it comes to who's going to be the punter. And I'm all, all eyes are on left guard position. 
I'm sorry. I don't want Dax Hill to take the field. I know this guy's going to be really special, and we'll see him week one. They'll, they'll, they'll switch him out with Jesse Bates. They'll be on the field at the same time. I'm game for that. We'll see him against the Steelers. But yeah, punter and left guard for me is what I'll be watching. But we have plenty to get to. What we have learned this week next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back. It's always game day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> yeah. doing? There's plenty to talk about with this team. We said it in our first segment because every time we record something happens, but we'll wrap it up with this because Joe Burrow makes really everything go viral. Maybe it's just in Cincinnati, social media, but he's in a Kroger commercial, and we knew that was happening because fans talked about it weeks ago. They saw some pictures of him and Kroger. He's a spokesman for Kroger now, and he's sniffing a pineapple, and <laughs> he's talking about Kroger's. Kroger. Who knows if it was Kroger, Kroger's. It doesn't matter because now it's officially Kroger's because Joe Burrow said it. What did you think about that 26-second clip of Joe Burrow? Uh, I thought it was, uh, I mean, I thought it was a good commercial. And then, uh, I thought the memes that came off of it were even better where they slowed down the video of him sniffing the pineapple and things like that. That, that was my favorite part of that. I mean, that GIF is going to be used so many times. I saw it like five times today, just random stuff to reactions. What was happening at camp today? Joe Burrow's doing that. But that's the thing about this guy. He'd be a spokesman for anyone out there, and fans are going to break it down. I thought it was kind of funny. Nobody was being hard on him. And look, he may have said it differently than what people were reacting to, but there were legit breakdowns that he said Kroger's with an S, and, and some people call him Joe Burrow's. And nobody was even mad about it. They're like, yeah, Joe Burrow said it. It's, it's Kroger's now. And that's what I find so funny about this guy, because whatever he does, it's going to be huge on social media and everyone's going to love it. And they're like, yeah, Whole Foods. Sorry, I'm all on Kroger right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just uh, he is uh, he he defines what <laughs> in the Cincinnati area, how you pronounce something. He, he's not wrong. It's just, you know, that's actually how it's said. I said Kroger my whole life, but now it's Kroger's because Burrow said it. That's what it's going to be. And I'm sure we'll see that pineapple meme at Pecor Stadium this season. We'll end it with this. What did we learn this week? I'll have you go first. Okay. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to miss it. Oh, man. I had something when I first started, and now I've kind of lost it a little bit. Well, we just recorded the second episode this week, so I totally understand. We're learning a lot in the last 48 hours. <laughs> this seems so much is happening. I can go ahead and jump in while you think about that. I think personally, and it actually has a lot to do with today. You watch these two teams. They're ready to wrap up training camp. We talk about the offensive line plenty. And for me, it's Lyle Collins. And we can talk about how they signed him, one of the big free agent moves they made this offseason, bringing in that depth. It's kind of crazy because I felt like Bengals fans – were a really big impact on making that signing happening. Wild to think he's at Kenwood Mall. Everybody's keeping track. Oh, no, he's going to leave Cincinnati. He's not coming here. The guy signs. He calls Joe Burrow, and he says, I'm going to be your new bodyguard. And what we have seen from this guy just this week alone is he's not going to take any crap, and he's Joe Burrow's guy. And I think this is something that Joe – needed he's had a lot of young guys on this offensive line we mentioned Bobby Hart you know a couple minutes ago and 
he'll never count in that category for me personally. <laughs> but I think you have LC out there. And one of the things that I learned this week, if this offensive line stays healthy and you have a guy out there who is ready to fight anyone, obviously you want him to play. You don't want him to get ejected. You don't want penalties out there. But someone who's not going to take anything for your quarterback who has taken 70 sacks last year and obviously went through his injury as a rookie year, that's who you want on this offensive line room. And, and alone, just a couple weeks or just a week ago, he's working with Bolson on the side, getting those extra reps and teaching him a couple of things when he didn't even take part in practice that day. So for me personally, what I learned this week is Collins is that dude. And he's going to bring a lot to the offensive line for Joe Burrow and that crew. Yeah. And um, I mean, I think that's the most interesting thing about the big fight today was Lyle Collins was at the center and you think it would be somebody on the Bengals who's mad about not winning the ring, but it's Lyle Collins who was sitting at home at that time. So, um, but I do think there, there is a little bit to that where I guess the Cowboys and the um, Rams had their joint practice last year and Collins and Floyd were getting into it like that. So I think that just could just be <laughs> those two yeah. players don't like each other. I'm here for it, but that's actually a good point because that was one of my thoughts. You would think it was the people that, man, you stole my ring. I'm, I'm frustrated. It's the last day of training camp. This guy wasn't even on the roster. And what he even said in free agency, a lot of people said, you know, did you say anything to Joe when you were signing or anything like that? And he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm your new bodyguard. I'm ready, I'm ready to play here. And, you know, we can get into contracts and all, what all of that looked like for him. And I feel like Cincinnati got a steal if this guy can stay healthy. And um, it's just crazy to think about what has happened since March for this team. And then you see him in the last day of training camp ready to fight someone. And, and I said, as long as this guy doesn't get fined, well, he can get fined. That's totally fine. Don't get penalized. Don't get kicked out. Gonna need you out there. Uh, the backup situation still a little questionable. But yeah, one of the things that the biggest thing that I've learned this week is this guy's who you wanted him to be. I guess the biggest thing I learned in the past couple of days was uh I don't know how attached I think that uh, fans and other people kind of get to these old draft reports on guys where you hear Denzel Mims is a late round trade candidate and you hear Alex Leatherwood's not doing well in Las Vegas and they just get so excited about it. It's like, you know that this guy's like the Jackson Carmen of their team, right? Like, would you trade for Jackson Carmen? I don't know. Like I, I get the idea that, you know, you bring in a guy that didn't work somewhere. Maybe he'll work here, but I don't know. To me, I'm very much like, I don't know. Alex Leatherwood, uh, all these type of guys are, I like to bring back Trey Hopkins or Quentin Spain. I'd prefer those guys where I know that they're going to bring a solid level of play. I get the ceilings higher on the other guys, but I don't think Alex Leatherwood or somebody like that is going to come in here preseason week three and then start week one. So you're bringing them in this depth. I'd prefer to get a depth guy I know can step up and play to a, uh, an adequate level. Uh, so I guess what I learned was just, Oh, these guys, uh, you know, like they don't they don't care if these guys are like flaming out on their teams, like the Nikhil Harrys and all these type of guys. Like to me, I can't think of too many of those guys that were high, high draft picks, got cut by like year two or year three or traded for nothing and then worked out like maybe. I mean, I guess that's what Reggie Nelson was. But uh, yeah, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head is just, yeah, Reggie Nelson worked out, but. I don't know. I, 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 Reggie's one in a million. I, he was awesome here, and they had Mike Zimmer to utilize into his full potential. So you're saying you're not one of those people on social media when a big-time name or a big-time name, using quotes right now on the podcast, gets cut or he's a trade candidate. You're like, nah, don't go after that guy just because he has <laughs> a big name. Because the Odell Beckham Jr. train, I still feel like it's there because I think a lot of fans still feel 
that they don't have a fourth receiver. And look, they could be right right now. But if your top three guys are healthy, you're you're good in my book. You got to think of special teams, kick, punt, return. You have Chris Evans even out there in the running back room. Obviously, Joe Mixon, guys who can still catch the ball in the air. But uh, yeah, no, you see that a lot. We could see it tonight because we're going to hear a lot about that as teams get down their number on the roster and make cuts, you know, trade candidates, who's out there, tight end situation, OJ Howard's there. Um, is that guy going to bring death or could he be a starter on this team? That happens. I don't know if it's just in Cincinnati or if it's everywhere because I'm seeing that like no other right now. Bring him in. Bring him in. We can yeah. sign him. We can put him out there so you're not one of those people. The um, Well, I guess it depends. If it's like a guy like Odell who was good last year, I'm kind of more sympathetic towards that. And even uh, I guess I can't quit Will Fuller, but that was because of his NFL stuff, not his college stuff. When it's a guy like OJ Howard who flamed out of two different teams and got is possibly getting cut one year, not even a year into his like new deal. I don't know about that one. He's probably not going to work. <laughs> you could try it, I guess, but I'm not like excited and thinking, Ooh, OJ Howard's going to play 500 snaps this season. Like he's probably going to fight for that tight end two spot with Drew Sample and that'll come down to their blocking. Who knows? Sample's actually a pretty good blocker. Um, yeah, in general, especially these young guys that just keep, they, to me, they, they're like, they don't, they don't work here. They don't work in the next place. They don't work at the next place. It feels like that arrested development thing where it's like, it hasn't worked for them, but maybe for us, yeah, it usually doesn't work. That <laughs> usually doesn't work. It's kind of crazy though. And, you know, I mentioned it with Collins and I feel like we saw with Quentin Spain when he got cut with the bills that a lot of people were like, bring him in, sign him in Cincinnati. And all of a sudden social media has this power of bringing a guy in and all of a sudden Cincinnati signing him. Is there any other free agents right now? Because I still feel like there's a pretty big list of names that you would bring in if you were Cincinnati on some of the depth positions or even added starters. Yeah, this uh, this goes, I guess, guess with and against what I was saying, but uh, I'd probably bring in Sue as a depth defensive tackle. I think they're lacking a little bit of depth there. They're they're banking on a lot of tweener types to take some of those snaps. The Sam Hubbard on passing downs, the Cam Sample can play some, you know, five tech and run situations, kick inside on passing downs type stuff. Well, you could just get Sue who could play the three tech, five tech type stuff right now. Um, and I thought he was fine last year. He's not the Indomitian Sioux of past, but he's fine. Yeah, I don't know. He was fine in LA. I feel like he's been fine in Tampa. It's just bringing in a solid level defensive tackle to, because right now it's all on Josh Tupo and Zach Carter. And I feel like you could bring in the third guy and just be like, okay, now we've got, and of course, BJ Hill and DJ reader, but those guys are set. They need to me, they need just one more defensive tackle or could use, I shouldn't say need, but they could use one more defensive tackle. And to me, that guy, if I brought one in would be uh Sue. So big name, but probably not. I don't know. He's, I like the older ones, I guess. I like the ones that I know are a fine level there. You know, like I, I saw this guy over the past five years and he's, he's at least been fine on all of these years. So I think he can come in and be fine for the, for the team. No, I, I love that. And you mentioned Zach Carter. And when it comes to preseason, rookie, social media, highlight clips, what they've done in preseason, have you been impressed with what he's been able to put on tape? Yeah, it's up and down. He's a late third round pick. So, you know, it, it, that's going to happen. I feel like he gets some wins. He, to me, a lot of times he's winning because he's smart. He's, he recognizes quarterback draw or something and he doesn't rush up field. He waits, waits and waits and then sheds the block and makes a tackle. 
those are uh, those are the plays that he seems to be winning with. He seems to not be the most dynamic pass rusher so far, which there was a little bit of hope of that because I guess he was doing really well in the one-on-one type stuff in training camp. But then when I watch him in the preseason, I'm not seeing him. Even These are like second and maybe even third string guys at times. He's not dominating them. And that's, that's fine. But that, that is just, I want to see him develop a little bit more there. I want to see him be able to take it to these second stringers and really, win those battles but these guys are nfl players and uh no nfl player is that bad so you know the 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 worst nfl player is one of the best college players that was in the league you can see that um even like the xfl and stuff sometimes you'll see a name you recognize from college and it's like yeah the back of the roster nfl guys are probably better than that guy so it is what it is uh i think there's definitely hope and um things like that but i I didn't think it was bad. Didn't think it was great. I think it was very, it was fine. I I looked at, I watched him and I'd go, yeah, that's okay. Some reps I go, good, good. That's awesome. And then other reps, I just go, you'll get it. (laughs) You know what? It's fine to to say it's fine. It's totally okay to say that because we don't have to be like, ah, man, this guy's going to be great or he's going to be terrible. And sometimes we just don't know. You got to see him in regular season. You have plenty going on, and I think fans need to check it out. Obviously, they follow you out on Twitter, but you also have all Bengals content. What's up there right now? Yeah, I just did a piece on if you are wondering about all these three safety sets everybody's talking about. Well, I wrote all about what I think that they'll mostly utilize in a big dime package with six defensive backs, one linebacker, four down linemen. Um, Go over some coverage examples that they could use, things like that. If this all sounds interesting to you, you could find it. It's linked right on my Twitter, or you could just search all Bengals Mike Santagata, and that is you know, find my, it might be easier to find the Twitter than it is to spell my last name off of a podcast or, or maybe it's in the show notes. I don't know. No, <laughs> but, no, seriously. Follow him on Twitter. Bengals underscore Sands. He has great content, all Bengals on the podcast and over on his social media page. It's going to be crazy because the next time we do a podcast, we're going to be talking regular season. Yeah. For, for Oh yeah, I'm I'm fully ready. I wish it was starting next week. That that bye week's what kills me. Not this last preseason game. It's the one where they don't even do anything. No, <laughs> we have two weeks to to prep for Cincinnati and the Steelers. Plenty of content going on, and with the way things are going, every time we do a podcast, there's breaking news or something crazy happens. So make sure you check it out. We'll have another podcast next week. Thank you for listening to it's always game day in Cincinnati.